Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I'm really excited about this message today because I'm going to be talking about the importance of the church and specifically I'm going to talk about how Jesus announced the idea of the church to all of humanity, to the whole universe, to all of history. Jesus announced the idea of the church with a pun, okay? Don't discount me. Don't think I'm, I'm an idiot yet because I'm going to explain. And I, I'm excited about this message because I use a lot of puns in my messages. Anybody with me? And, and some of us love my puns. Where are you at? Some of us hate my puns. Where are you at? All right. Wow. And so I felt a little guilty, maybe not as spiritual as some preachers because I use puns and and that's my style. It's how I remember the, the scripture. And I, I felt guilty in the past, but this week I was studying the scripture and I read something in Matthew 16 that has erased my guilt completely, has washed my guilt as white as snow, has separated my guilt as far as the east is from the west. And it's this idea right here that Jesus Announce the idea of the church with a pun. Don't believe me? Well, let's read Matthew 16 then. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Pun incoming. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus says, Peter, which in the Greek is Petros, upon this Petros, I will build my church. Rock, in the Greek word there, is Petra. So he says, upon this Petras, I will build my Petra, and the gates of hell will never overcome it. The powers of hell will never overcome it. That is Greek wordplay, my friends. Petra, Petras. When I say Petra, you say Petras. Petra, Petra. That is Greek wordplay word play that is a pun what did you expect today from a pastor named pradeep pun come on so jesus announced the whole idea of the church with a pun can you all agree with me that puns rock come on i'm gonna need a little bit more of can you agree in the house of god the rock the church that puns rock this is gonna be a good message today so today i'm gonna talk about the thing that jesus says that he will build it's called the church it's called the ecclesia in greek and he says upon this rock that jesus is lord he will 
build the church intentionally as a master architect. Jesus is building the church. But when we talk about the church, some of us, honestly, we get a little bit of a mixed feeling in our hearts. We, we like the idea of the church, but many of us have experienced a mixed bag when it comes to the church. We've experienced good things, but we've also experienced church hurt. We've experienced pain. We've experienced burnout. We've experienced tragedy and abuse in the church. And as a pastor, you're my, you might be expecting me to just say, hey, you know what? We just need to build what Jesus is building, and we just need to tough it out and love the church. You know, I, and I am a pastor, and I love the church, but I want to let you know this morning— I am no stranger to church hurt at all. I've been severely damaged in the church. I've experienced spiritual abuse. I've experienced a lot of pain when it comes to involving my life in the church. You know, I I gave my life to the Lord in Minnesota in a church plant a lot like Kalos, except for it was a country singing church with cowboy hats and steel guitars. It was awesome. And I had such a great church experience. I didn't experience really any church hurt in that environment. But then I, I went to Bible school to become a pastor. And then I moved to Colorado to, to invest in a church, to, to minister, to give my life for the sake of the gospel. And in that environment, I, I experienced great spiritual pain, great spiritual trauma, if you will. I was serving and serving and serving. I was giving and giving and giving. And I I remember there are times where I would get off the spiritual high. I would be on a mountaintop, but then I would be yelled at by a spiritual leader and being told things like, hey, Pradeep, and I know know you experienced this good thing, but I just want to let you know that God God can't use someone like you. You have too many flaws. You're, You're a disappointment. You can't handle all that God wants to do because of your character flaws. And I I remember just experiencing leaders, and I would try to preach a good sermon, and then I would be met with competition and insecurity, and I wasn't really getting paid. And there's so many weeks that I I would fast from eating, not because I was trying to be super holy, but because I couldn't afford food. There are times where our church would pray for 24-7, and I would be in charge of the building. I would have to keep the building open at night. And so I remember for almost three months, I was sleeping in the church building for three months, not eating very much, staying there the whole time, have to keep the lights on, have to make sure the music is going. And then I would be met by hostility as soon as I made a mistake. I experienced the yelling of pastors who were eloquent with their words, and knew how to manipulate me. I've experienced the the trauma of giving and giving and giving, but only getting attention from leadership as soon as I made a mistake. I've experienced the pain of church hurt to the point that after I went to Bible school to become a pastor, had given four years, was in a debt over $100,000, I decided the church isn't for me anymore. And I gave up my calling. I gave up the church, and in a fit of rage, I got my master's in educational leadership in Korea. I moved there to to study, and it was just a, a time where I said, I am done with the church. In fact, I used to say this phrase in my heart a lot. I love God, but I hate the church. Have you ever felt that? I love God but I hate the church. And it's in those times we ask ourselves, well, why, why do we go to church at all? Why do we gather as a church? Why is the church 
so important. Maybe it's because we're looking for messages or we're looking for hope or maybe it's because all of our friends go or we're trying to please our our family members or or maybe it's because we're single and we're looking to find someone else so that we can get married and it's in those times we're like what's the point of all of this why do we even participate in the church and today i i i want to say i am so sorry if you've experienced church hurt i have too and i i want to get into the scriptures today to really understand what is God's heart for the church and why are we here today. And so the first thing I want to share is this. Jesus is building the church, but the church is not a building. And I think this is really important for us to understand the foundation and the idea of the church, especially as Kalos Church is getting ready to invest in a permanent building. And we want to make it clear, this brick-and-mortar structure that we're moving into that is not the church. We are the church. The church is God's people called out for a specific purpose. The Greek word that Jesus would use here is ekklesia, which was not a word he invented. Ekklesia had a lot of political and governing ramifications. It was people that were specifically called out and separated for a specific mission or purpose where they would execute governing authority. That was the ecclesia. And so the, the church is not a building, but Jesus is building the church. In the scriptures, there are other ways the church is described as a body with different members. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet. We have different gifts. We are the body of Christ gathered together. In, in others, Areas of the scripture, we're called the temple of the Lord. He is the chief cornerstone, and we are living stones that are being assembled together. And in other places, like in Ephesians 5, we're described as the the bride of Christ, as a husband loves a wife, so Christ loves the church. And together, we say, the spirit and the bride say, come, Jesus, we want you, as a bride longs for the groom. And so these are all descriptions, but the church is a gathering of God's people, where we gather to study the scriptures, to break bread and fellowship, where we exalt Jesus Christ together, where we are formed to be more like Christ. And this is important that we gather for mission, for formation and encounter. This is the purpose of the church. And Jesus is building the church, amen? Sometimes in our culture, though, we say, I don't believe in things like organized religion. Well, if you don't believe in organized religion, then you're not part of what Jesus is building. Because Jesus is a master architect. He has a grand plan for the church. He has an idea in his mind. It is something he's building. If you ever build something, it's just not organic. It's just not accidental. He's putting things together. That is organized religion. And some of us were like, oh, that, I'm hesitant about that. Well, let me read something I wrote, and I want to get this right. Jesus is intentionally building the church. It's not a random, unorganized religion following the whims of our individualism. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and we are the living stones he masterfully places together. For those afraid of organized religion, let me warn you that unorganized religion can do as much damage if not more. If your God hates all the same things as you and loves all the same things as you, your unorganized religion puts you in danger of worshiping yourself, and you cannot bear the burden of being God. 
There's no such thing as unorganized religion either ways. There's no neutral ground in the universe. Both the devil and God have a master plan for your life. And so Jesus is intentionally organizing, in other words, building his church. He's placing us all together. And I want to be part of what Jesus is building. Anybody with me? I want to dream God's dreams. I want to be passionate about what God's passionate about. And he says, I will build my church. I will not just hope that people worship as individuals and good things come out of that. No, he says, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not overcome it. And some of us have bought into the idea that God isn't about organized religion, but he is. And when we walk away from this calling of being part of something that he's building, then we are placing our trust in nations and political realities building our theology. How many of you want theology built by politicians? I don't. But when we're not part of the organized church, that's exactly what happens. We let nations, you don't think countries have theological desires for the people and the citizens of their nation? They do. They're being very intentional. When we don't let the church, the thing that Jesus is building, build our theology, then we allow our theology to be built by businesses. Do you want your businesses building your theology and your purpose and your meaning in life? No. No, you don't. But we wonder why, as the church's influence shrinks in America, why consumerism is increasing. That's because businesses are telling you to worship money. That's why the day after Thanksgiving, we literally have a day of greed called Black Friday. Because we're more shaped by Black Friday than Good Friday because we let businesses shape our theology. Right? This is not accidental. There's no such thing as unorganized religion. Satan has a plan for you. Nations and politicians have a plan for you. Businesses have a plan for you. Are you part of what Jesus is building? Or are you part of the powers of hell that are trying to defeat the church? This is what he's saying in the scripture. When we don't let the church that Jesus is building shape our theology, social media influencers are shaping your theology. And news alert, a lot of the social media is being shaped by businesses and nations. The algorithms that they support are supporting their intent as a nation, right? You don't think TikTok, owned by China, has a plan and how you want to be influenced? It definitely does. Did you know legally China has to get your data from TikTok in order for it to exist in America? It's because there's... There's soft influence in our nation. You don't just win wars by military power. There is a soft war for your soul. When you're being influenced, you're being influenced. The word social media influencer is not by accident. And we as the church need to be aware of that. You know, there's a scripture in Luke 15 that we love to read. It's about the good shepherd going after the one. Leaving the 99, it says this, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. 
I wrote this. You might be content following Jesus alone, but Jesus isn't. We like to talk about the good shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. But don't forget, he returns the one lost sheep back to the 99. Jesus leaves the 99 because he wants to see the 100 gathered. We like to talk about the scripture and we stop it when we say, the good shepherd leaves the 99, goes after the one. It's just me and Jesus. I can have my own faith. I don't need organized religion. I will just pray. I will just be alone, me and my time in the wilderness, on the boat. That's my church. That's my relationship with God. But the good shepherd doesn't just stay alone with the one sheep. He brings the sheep back to the fold. And this is the reality of our Jesus. He weeps when he sees sheep that are scattered like without a shepherd. He gathered, oh, like a mother hen, Jesus says, I wanted to gather you together. In the parable of the banquet, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a banquet. And I had this table and this feast, and I wanted to gather people together. And when people didn't come, I went to the highways and the byways. I desired that my house would be full. This is what Jesus does all the time. Jesus is gathering, gathering, while the devil is scattering, scattering. And so the powers of hell are trying to overcome the gathering of Jesus Christ. And I think many of us, without even realizing it, have been shaped by the theology of media, of influencers, and we're not actually looking at the words of what Jesus said. He wants to see the 99 become 100. And the good shepherd is willing to leave this gathering to go after the one. And I think that is so beautiful because that's how much he loves you. And he wants you to be part of the family of God. He wants you to be welcome at the table. For those of you who are deconstructing your faith, I want you to know that the good shepherd, he wants you back in the family because he loves you. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to encourage you. And though you may have experienced church hurt, he still wants to love you. And he still wants the brothers and sisters and the family of God to live in unity and harmony. For those of us who have given up our faith entirely, we've given up on the idea of God. I want to let you know that the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after you. For those of us who who never felt like God could use us again because of the mistakes we've made in the past, the good shepherd, he's willing to leave the 99 to go after you. He doesn't want you to be alone and vulnerable and pray to the wolves who are trying to control you and manipulate you. And that is my heart as a pastor. I feel people are separating from the church and they, they feel like I was so hurt in that church and so I have to just do my own thing. But that is dangerous. That's dangerous, and you're being controlled by money and businesses. You're being controlled by personalities, and they will destroy you. The gates of hell have a plan for your life, and we are safer under the roof of the house of God. We need Jesus. We need to gather. We need to be part of what Jesus is building. Can I get a good amen? Amen. You know, I was hurt by the church, but I boldly say today I was also healed by the church. You know, I ran away to Korea, and I I decided to be a high school principal, went to Minnesota, started working in school administration at a charter school. And it was during this time I was like running from my calling completely. But I had a God-fearing girlfriend. Come on, somebody. And Pastor Amritha, four foot ten Amritha. 
she approached me and she said, Pradeepan, we're all very proud of you. You're a young administrator in a charter school. But you have a calling of your God, uh, of God to, to be in vocational ministry. Come back to the house of God. I hadn't been part of a church for about two years. And it was during this time in Minnesota, having conversations with Amritha. The timeline's a little fuzzy for me, but we participated in another church plant again. A church called Harmony, Harmony, Harmony Church. And it was awesome. <laughs> I lost you with that singing. <laughs> I, I repent for that. <laughs> I repent for my singing. Uh, and we just worshipped with this church plant. It was small. It changed locations like every week. Sometimes I met in the morning, sometimes I met at night. And we didn't really take on any leadership. I didn't have a pastor hat on. I wasn't really even in the band. We just showed up on Sundays. But something began to happen. The word of God started to penetrate our heart again. The exaltation of Jesus in song began to warm us up. And the people, they loved us right where we were at. We got invited over to dinners and hiking trips and camping trips and that time is more special than I think we realize. Because where our hearts were so hard, where we were so distant from the church, a church plant, a lot like Kalos, took the time to say, hey, I know you have some baggage, but can we just love you? Because we believe in you, we want to do life with you, and we believe that God is gathering us together. And in that environment, man, our mindset, it, it, it was changed our spirit started to become alive. And I, I'm very thankful for Harmony Church. I, I have been hurt by church, and I know many of us have been. But I also believe that the church can be part of your healing story. Yeah. Just like a, a bad relationship or a bad dating relationship, it doesn't mean all relationships have to be bad, amen? Yeah. You know, just because our parents had bad marriages, it doesn't mean we have to have bad marriages, amen? Just because maybe our parents didn't raise us the way that we probably should have been raised, it doesn't mean we have to pass that on to our kids, amen? The same in the church. We can build what Jesus is building. He does the heavy lifting, but we will not abandon the thing that he is building. You know, the scripture says in, in Acts something really amazing. In Acts 20, 28, it says, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. And this is something I want to share that might, might be a new thought for you. Yes, we've been church hurt, me included, but even Jesus got church hurt. Even Jesus got church hurt. In fact, he purchased the church with his own blood. Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. In Ephesians 5, it says it like this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. We've been talking a lot about giving up things for Jesus. How the woman with the alabaster jar, she gave it up for Jesus. How the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she left her water jar behind to go tell people about Jesus. But I want to let you know that Jesus, he gave up his life for the church. 
Jesus gave it all up. He was tortured on the cross. He shed his blood. His body was beaten and broken because he loves the church to the point of giving up his life. And if Jesus purchased the church with his blood, I don't want to let one drop go to waste. I want to build what he's building. And in the scripture, it says that Jesus purchased the church with his blood. Now we need to feed the church. We need to guard the flock. And today, I want to say loving the church will continue to be painful. Loving the church will cost us. We have a consumeristic mindset in the church, and we're not the first ones to come to church and say, what can you do for me, bride of Christ? You know, in fact, right after Jesus uses the pun to announce the building of the church in Matthew 16, verse 21, Peter says, don't let yourself die, Jesus. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. This is Peter, right? The, the Petros, the, the rock. He took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And what does Jesus do? After he says this amazing thing to Peter, upon this rock, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So Jesus announces the idea of the church. He announces that he's going to die. He's going to purchase the church with his own blood. And then Peter says, no, Jesus, don't die to yourself. You need to protect yourself. You need more self-care. And I know I'm becoming kind of the preacher that attacks self-care all the time. And that's because I believe self-care is a myth. The only one who can care for you is the one who created you. And the best self-care is when we don't take care of ourselves, but we cast our cares on the Lord. And we let him. Can I get a good amen? Am I against healthy rhythms and margins? Am I against having a healthy family and having good rhythms of Joy and delight in your life? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, self-care truly is a myth. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. And so Peter says, hey, don't die to yourself, Jesus. He reprimands Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, get behind me, Satan. If I'm going to build this church, it's going to take a selfless act. It's going to take sacrificial love. And I, I, I believe that many of us, Come into a church experience because we've been discipled by culture and what it means. And so we come to church as consumers. What can I get? But Jesus gives us an example of what can I give. Amen? I go to this church because I love the worship. Consumeristic mindset. I go to this church because I love the preaching. That's a consumeristic mindset. I go to this church because it has a great kids ministry. It's a consumeristic mindset. I mean, even the terminology we use, church shopping, consumeristic. 
Because that's our mindset. I, I have barely encountered people, right, especially Christians who come to a church saying, I came to this church because I saw I could give something. I came to this church because I have a gift, and I believe that I could help advance the kingdom of God with this family. And so it, it, it seems awkward. Have you ever walked into a church building? And I'm not saying you're prideful and you're like, I have this gift I have to offer. But have you ever walked into a church and I say, I feel like the Lord has called me to this church because I'm specifically called to give my life for this body, for this hope. And I, I see some people in this, in this room right now, and I know you have. And I am so proud of you. This church is a very generous church with time, talent, and treasure. But holistically, speaking of America, we go from church to church searching for things that feed us. When we say the worship was good, we don't want our worship to be good for God. We want it to be good for us, indicating that we're worshiping ourselves. Worship should be good for the one we're worshiping, not us. Amen? The waiter at the restaurant isn't saying, oh, that serving was good for me. No, they're thinking of the customer. And Jesus is the one who has our attention. When we say worship is good, my prayer is that at Kalos Church, it would be, be because God says worship was good. Are we worshiping God in the way he wants, or are we consumers? Wrong reasons to love the church. Don't love the church because of what it does for you, because sooner or later it won't do enough. Don't love the church because of a leader, because human leaders are fallible and will let you down. Don't love the church because of a program or a building or activities because all those things get old. Don't love the church because of a certain group of friends because friendships change and people move. Why should we love the church? Love the church because of who shed his blood to obtain the church. Love the church because of who the church belongs to. Love the church because of who the church worships. Love the church because you love Jesus Christ and his glory. Love the church because Jesus is worthy and faithful and true. Love the church because Jesus loves the church. And so that's why we love the church. So Acts 20, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I just want to close by saying this. We love the church because Jesus loves the church, but the church isn't just for us as consumers. Point three, we, the church, the church doesn't just exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Even if you have been hurt by the church, honestly, even if you don't like the church, can we agree that Jesus is building the church and that the world desperately needs the church? I love this quote by Pastor Brian Zahn. He says, the world needs the church to keep singing its songs and telling its stories. The world needs the presence of people whose lives are shaped by the death burial, and resurrection narrative of baptism. This secular world needs the presence of sacrament and the sacred story it enacts. The world of cynical commerce and cutthroat competition needs our flawed little churches with their Christmas programs and Easter pageants, their archaic steeples and quaint stained glass, their different kinds of sanctuaries, and their all the same fellowship halls. The world needs churches gathering in storefronts and cathedrals. The world needs communities to dedicate babies, baptize believers, and bury the dead. Yes, our world needs our churches because the church alone keeps alive the story of Jesus.
The church has a great legacy, and we will not let the legacy of Jesus Christ die with us. We must pass this on to the next generation. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.